Welcome to Locked On NFL, your daily podcast on the National Football League on the number one daily sports podcast network. Brian Peacock alongside the scout Matt Williamson. We're doing this Twitter Thursday show on Friday because for those of you who did not listen, you got to go back and hear a very special episode that aired network-wide on Thursday. And it was a number of hosts, eight hosts on the network uh, uh, it was Ross Jackson, who we talked to earlier this week from Locked On Saints, Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons, yep. Tony Wiggins from Jaguars, uh, two of the Locked On Texans hosts, Cody Davis and John Hickman, Chris Carter from Locked On Steelers, Keith Pompey from Locked On 76ers, and your boy Q, who we also talked to last week from Locked On Raiders here at Locked On NFL. They came together for a roundtable and shared their experiences of what it's like to be a black man in America. So in the wake of the George Floyd killing and the protests, we're seeing just exactly why things are happening the way they are and some of the stories from these guys. It was a really well done show, and I encourage everyone to go back and give Thursday's podcast a listen. Yeah, phenomenal and really cool that the network has joined in such a huge cause and using our resources to touch a lot of ears and hopefully make us a, a small or maybe more than a small impact. So an awesome event, you know, by the whole network in general, but especially those fellows. And so we, our schedule got bumped back a week, a day. So we're doing Twitter Thursday on a Friday. Crazy. I know a bit of bonkers. And then we got two fun shows to lead off next week too. Right, brother. Oh yeah. Next week, we're going to start looking at some breakout candidates for 2020, specifically those second year players. We think that could take a huge bump in 2020. We'll do the offensive side of the ball Monday. We'll get the latest news as well. Then on Tuesday, we'll look at the defensive side of the ball for those 2020 breakouts. We will be talking to Joe Marino of Locked On Bills, getting to know the Buffalo Bills a little bit better as well. Next week on Wednesday, another Twitter Thursday. So already a very full show a uh, slate of shows scheduled for next week as well that I'm very excited about. So yeah, looking yeah, forward to that. It should one. be really good. And one news of note that's probably a little old now since you're listening to this on Friday is this Dalvin Cook holdout situation. It's the one thing we haven't really addressed this week. I don't really have very strong feelings about it. I mean I you know Joe Mixon is also another candidate to potentially hold out. Phenomenal players. I think they're both going to be you know, the, the straw that stirs that drink in their respective offenses. But it doesn't really move the needle much for me. It's kind of the same old story of, are you going to pay a running back or not? You know, they're both good receivers. They're not McCaffrey-level receivers. You know, we have Kamara on the horizon. Um, you know, everyone's all excited about Alexander Madison now, and I think he's a really good player. But Dalvin Cook's not going to sit the season out. Joe Mixon's not going to sit the season out. I mean, it's early June, folks. Yeah, we saw what happened with Melvin Gordon. And if, with, for a running back, I don't, I don't think it's going to help you to sit out, especially when there's a running back on your team that can probably play really well, which is why running backs have been so devalued. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, gosh, maybe that wasn't the best idea. You know, when you have Austin yeah, Eckler right. going out there and putting up tons of yardage for your team. Right. I mean, did Lev Bell sitting out the year really come out, you know, pay off for him? Doesn't look like it. Um, he didn't really land in a very good situation, and neither the team nor the player seems very happy with how that's going. Um, it's just rough. I mean, I feel for running backs. Like, Mixon and Cook deserve big money. If they were defensive ends, imagine how much they'd be making on the open market right now or left tackles, you know, but they're not. And 
They have short shelf lives, and Cook has had a myriad of injuries. Mixon has had obvious off the field things too. So, you know, get what you can, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't count on being, you know, super rich by NFL standards here in the near future. And it's rough, and and I get r- running backs are going to start to be very upset about this. But what are you going to do? You play running back, you know, if you want to get paid more. Go, go play another position that maybe is uh, a little bit harder to find good players at that uh, has different positional value. I don't know, because there's really no answer for it. I've heard people argue that running backs should be able to come out of college earlier. And I agree because a lot of them can play right away. I don't think that's ever going to happen. It, you know, you can't change the rules for different positions. Um, kickers don't get paid a lot either. I'm sure they'd like to get paid more, you know, but I mean, that's the position you play. It's just the way it's going to be. There, there's other positions too around the league that have been, not at the top of the heap as far as salary, but there's a couple of other guys that could hold out. There's been a lot that we've talked about here on the show with Jamal Adams and the New York Jets, and they seem to be at a stalemate. But George Kittle, too, is going to get a very interesting contract, and they're talking about wide receiver money for him. If he wants to get that big of a raise versus the rest of the tight end market, because the tight end market really has stagnated and has not grown with some other position groups, the top Paid tight end in the league right now is Austin Hooper in Cleveland, $10.5 million per year. George Kittle is going to come in asking for at least $14 million a year. And I've heard him talk about how uh, they're going to throw a number like $19 million out there because they think he's as valued some of the top wide receivers in the league. And if you're going to set the market by that much, the player is going to have to hold out at the very least to get some of that. And uh, that's going to be a contract that uh, a lot of teams are going to be keeping an eye on for those other teams that have tight ends out there because the tight end market, the top of that market is going to be completely shattered by George Kittle. And if he wants to get the most, and if he wants to get over 15 mil a year, that's definitely going to have to be a holdout situation. Wow. There's a lot to unpack there. I want to go back to the running back thing in a minute, but you're right. I mean, we knew the Kittle thing was going to be monumental. And I remember when Lev Bell was holding out with the Steelers, his argument or his agent's argument was, not only am I your best running back, but I'm your second best receiver Mm -hmm. where I think Kittle can be like, not only am I the league's best tight end, I'm your best receiver. Aren't I worth more than a Rob or Sammy Watkins, or maybe even Amari Cooper to your point. And he probably won't get that money, but I think that's at least what you come to the table with. And you mentioned what Hooper got They're night and day. I mean, they're not even on the same tier. There may be a tier or two in between those two in terms of what they bring to the table Unlike running backs, tight ends play long. I mean, the great tight ends, they lose steps, but they don't become, you know, obsolete. Look at Gates and Witten and, you know, Gonzalez. There's a long, there's a long, long list of the top tight ends playing a very long time, which also brings me to Rob Gronkowski. I mean, you talk about a guy that was really underpaid during his heyday too. I mean, he should have been making top, top money. And he was, yeah, like the top paid tight end, but not by five million more than the next guy. I mean, he kind of got the short end of the stick. And I want to go back to the running back thing real quick, because you mentioned maybe running backs should be allowed to come out early. And you also mentioned kickers. Like I was sitting there thinking while you were talking, what's the difference if a kicker comes out after one or two years or a punter comes out after one or two years. And really I'd be okay with running backs too. And it is hard to decipher by position, but back to my recruiting days, there were very, very few running backs or very, I mean, really no high school players that I ever watched that I thought, oh yeah, he could play in the pros right now, except for Adrian Peterson, but he's about as freaky as they get. 
maybe Maurice Claret too, if you remember. I mean, he was talking about doing that. But what we did at Pitt back in the day, and it's very common back then, was we would bring in like five running backs in each class. You maybe only had 20 scholarships to give, 22 scholarships to give, but five of them would be running backs. And our logic was they're going to turn into linebackers. They're going to turn into safeties. Someone's going to be a returner. Someone's going to fail out. It will always have good running backs, but you always, you know, the best athletes on their team were the running backs that carried the ball a ton. We just brought a lot of them in and changed position. But what's changed since then, I mean, this is a long time ago. This was, you know, more than 10 years ago, was it wasn't as common knowledge. You know, I bet more people now coming out of high school would say, sure, I'll move the linebacker. I'll move the safety. You know, I'll play receiver because the money's better at the next level. That was quite a ramble. I went No, on. that's it all makes perfect sense. And the teams have so much leverage on that first contract. And then you have the franchise tag after that, that these players, the only thing they have is holding out. So if you're a running back, you want to get paid as soon as possible. So uh, if I'm at a position where my injury rate is so high, you have to at least threaten the holdout. You have to do what you can with the leverage while you have it because the teams have all the leverage. And so many of these players, you know, if, you, if you're a first-round draft pick and then you have the 2021 option still like Jamal Adams does, you know, he's he doesn't have a ton of leverage except for to hold out, you know, and, and George Kittle's the same way. He's really underpaid right now going into this season. You don't want to put your body on the line, potentially get hurt and and ruin that payday. And then there's, you know, the other aspect of the Kittle tight end market contract that factors into it. And for running backs, I mean, that you could get hurt the first day of training camp very easily and, and really ruin your opportunity to make a, a lot of money. So at least threaten holdout, even if you don't end up holding out once the season starts. It's really the only leverage some of these players have. Yeah, and it's not much leverage. I mean, it doesn't get you very far. <laughs> In the end, you kind of screw yourself. Right. If you're the Jets, you're like, look, <laughs> sorry, Jamal, you're signed through 2021. We already picked up your fifth-year option, and we have the the franchise tag beyond that. So you're... I mean, we've got you. <laughs> you know, we've got That's you. That's the rules we play under. We've got right, you yeah. for three more years, and so it's hard for a player to even hold out and, and be like, "Well, yeah, it's it's," and that's why the collective bargaining agreement is so important, and that's why they fight over these things so much. It's so important, and um, when a team drafts a guy, they really have control over them for a long time. But I would have no problem with some position. I mean, there's all there's a whole can of worms when you start letting people declare early and come out because some player you're saving some players from themselves. I mean, routinely every year, you know, 75, a hundred underclassmen declare and half of them go undrafted. So they didn't help themselves by coming out early. Right. Good point there too. And of course, I, I don't want to harp on this because I really think it's a massive black cloud. That's kind of looming that people are ignoring. How do you sign these guys when the salary cap might be going down dramatically next year too? But I do think the running back class is, I mean, that McCaffrey class was an awesome running back class. And Mixon, Cook, Kamara, they didn't have the fifth-year option. You know, they were not first-round picks. So I'm curious what kind of money the three of them get because they're still playing at a super high level. I don't think they're going to be, you know, floating around there like Devontae Freeman and Lev Bell was. But I'm curious what kind of numbers they'll get. Maybe it's just two-year deals or something like that. I don't know. Interesting. Very interesting. A lot of good questions there. Uh, speaking of questions, I want to move on to the listeners' questions here on our Twitter Friday episode next. Folks, we've told you a lot about Built Bars, and Built Bars sent me a, uh, a free box, and that lasted about five minutes in my house. Since then, I've re-upped. I am a fan. My family is a fan. 
It's a protein bar that really tastes like a candy bar. It comes in 16 amazing flavors. Eight of them are chocolate and nut flavors, and eight of them are chocolate and nut-free flavors. So they're covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. Built Bars are super healthy as well. They're great for the health-conscious guy or lady or whomever. Uh, lose and maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. These Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber. So um, go to BuiltBar.com. Use our promo code LOCKEDON. And you'll get $10 off your first order. Use promo code locked on, all one word, for $10 off at builtbar.com. You'll be happy about it. Okay, we were talking about some undervalued positions. And we have a question here from Mr. Wamptastic. He said, What are the most undervalued, overlooked positions in football? And why is it offensive guard? Are those positions just easier? Therefore, more guys can be plugged in. I'm not biased, just a chunky kid. At heart. <laughs> so Mr. Wampastic wants to know why uh, the shorter, chunkier kids uh, are getting picked on when it comes to NFL contracts. And, and yeah, that's part of it. I think just the scarcity of the body type of an offensive tackle versus an offensive guard. There's just fewer really athletic players that are also super long that can play out on the outside and block those elite edge rushers that are also stupidly athletic and super long coming off the edge. Right. And this kind of goes back to my recruiting story about bringing in a lot of running backs too. Like you could walk down the street in a crowded city. Well, back when there were crowded cities and see people that are between five, eight and six, two and between 180 and 230 pounds. And you might not even change, you know, might not even think differently of them. Even if they're very athletic looking, you might not turn your head and say, boy, he doesn't look like everybody else. But if, an, uh, if a center or a power forward walks by you on the street, you're like, holy smokes, you know, like there just aren't many <laughs> yeah. of those body types. And this guy's tweet really answers the same question was basically saying, I'm a short, chunky dude. Well, yeah, you're not uncommon. There's a lot of dudes out there that are six, three and below that can put on weight that are thick, wider bodied guys that aren't skinny fellas. There aren't many that are six, five and above though with long levers and I urge people to, I've said this before on the podcast, like do yourself a favor when no one's watching in an empty room and put yourself in what you think is an offensive lineman three point stance and then slowly come out of it with your knees bent and your butt synced as low as you can with your hands inside your shoulder blades and a nice posture where you can see and come out of that as a as a kick slide and try to protect the edge. You might even fall over onto your couch. <laughs> I mean, it's hard. It's really unnatural. It is really. You can tell it looks unnatural for these big guys oh. that are in those three-point stances. It's almost uh, unfair to to make these guys put their hands on the ground and try to jump out of that stance and and then block somebody and do anything else. Like that Von Miller. I mean, that, that's a great point. I, I would definitely fall over if I tried to do that right now. Um, right, right. And, and then I don't someone's weigh 300 driving pounds. at you at super high velocity, you're going <laughs> to put their, their hands right in your chest or run right around you. Pass blocking, especially from the edge, is a highly unnatural thing. And you have to be 6'4 and above and be an unbelievable athlete. And, oh, by the way, you better bench 450. You know, like, there's a, just a lot of categories there that most of us don't know anyone that can do two or two of those things, let alone all of them. Yeah, and... In the interior of the offensive line, you usually have some help. You get a lot of three-on-two yes. blocks. 
um, a lot more people can get plugged in and do your job. And it t- tends to be the way on an, on a football field. It works out that way where the interior guys have less value and they're more condensed and they don't have to do as athletic of things. They don't have to be freaks among freaks like the other guys do when you get further away from uh, the center, basically. So, uh, yeah, and it, it goes to the same point of running back. There's a lot of players that are good at that position that can get plugged in and do a pretty good job. Replacement level is... I think a big key in when it comes to positions being undervalued or overvalued and with running back, there's an extra level of how often they're hurt because, you know, offensive interior offensive lineman, you can be a smart, tough guy, have a base level of athletic ability and strength and in size, and you can play for a really long time for a running back. Yep. That career might only last four years. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. I mean, one thing I learned, and I've mentioned this many times, and I learned it through the Ravens staff, Phil Savage, who came to the Browns when I was there, is it's a huge Raven thing, is if an offensive lineman is smart and tough and has the baseline athleticism, I mean, four out of ten, he's going to be really hard to get off the field, and he's going to probably play a very long time, especially on the interior. And again, it's a supply and demand thing. There's just a lot more 6'2 people walking around that can do those things and 6'5, 6'6 guys. And I do think to his original question, though, some undervalued positions, which is kind of our McCaffrey, Mixon, Cook talk. I do think the league is opening up to the idea that receiving backs might be worth investing in, slowly opening up to that idea. I think to your Kittle conversation, I think freaky mismatch in the passing game, tight ends are going to start to get more and more coveted, even like the Evan Ingrams going in the first round. Right. Like He wouldn't have been a first rounder five years ago or 10 years ago. And we're starting to see and, more teams utilize multiple tight ends, two tight end sets yeah. as, as their base offense. Yeah, absolutely. And those guys have always been lightly paid. And I think as a result, do it all safeties and do it all linebackers. You know, the Roquan Smith and Devin White and Devin Bush and those guys, like when they come up, let alone the Derwin James and those types, I think are going to start to get paid more than recent years too. Cause just attacking the middle of the field is a really good advantage the quarterbacks have right now. And part of it's because the defensive linemen are so much freakier than the offensive linemen. Those are quick, short, easy throws that they can gain quick yardage on. So I think we're in the middle of that transition too, but things move slow. Yeah, and and we're seeing more athletic, undersized linebackers. Gone are the days of those plotting 250-pound-plus yep. plugging-type linebackers because guys have to cover that middle of the field area. And then if you're an offense, you're like, well, look, okay, I've got a tight end who can block you and take advantage of their size versus your smaller linebackers and your safeties and your dime backers and that can also catch the ball and help out in the passing game. So, yeah, we're definitely seeing things trend in that direction. Um, speaking of positions that are not undervalued, we've got a Titans fan here. This is Kaz Kaz on Twitter. He said, don't tell my brothers in arms, but now that the playoff run excitement is fading out a little bit, I'm having some doubts about the contract we gave Tannehill. How do you feel about it? Mixed feelings. I feel like you had to, which is never a good way to do business in football or sports or any way of life. Probably if I knew anything about any other way of life, you know, that, that you can't let them go. You can't start over. There's nobody out there looming. So you sign them to the going rate. That's a bad way of doing business. But I also thought, and you can listen to podcasts from three, four years ago that I thought Tannehill was kind of given 
a bum deal in Miami, and I was still a fan of him every step of the way, and a lot of it was injuries and bad circumstances around him. And I didn't think he'd play as well as he did, you know, when he took over in Tennessee by any means. I mean, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league, to be very honest. Um, But I always thought he was better than what he had showed or what the general public thought in Miami. So I'm a believer, but I hear you. I mean, that's a lot of money. You're married to this guy now. There's not a massive track record there considering the dollars you gave him. It could go wrong. I mean, I think there is some risk involved. So just to put these dollars in perspective, when we're talking about positional value here, the highest paid left guard in the NFL, well, under a one-year deal because he got the franchise tag is Joe Tooney. He's got $14.781 million per year. Andrew Norwell, who signed a big contract for a guard a couple of years ago, is making $13.3 million a year. So you bounce out from left guard to left tackle. Uh, these contracts are according to overthecap.com. Left tackle contract, the highest paid now is Laramie Tunsil, who got a huge contract $22 million per wow. year. So we're talking $8 million, $9 million more than the highest paid left guard if you're a left tackle. And then there's quarterbacks on a completely different level. Let's look at how Tannehill's getting paid compared to some of these quarterbacks. And that money is much different than any position in the NFL when you're looking at positional value. And of course, quarterback might be the most important position in sports in that regard. Some other questions about quarterbacks. We'll finish up this Twitter Friday next. Are you a do-it-yourselfer like me? Then rockauto.com is your place. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. Rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. Rockauto.com is also a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Rockauto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging Prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brands, specifications, and prices you prefer. Go to RockAuto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com those two guard contracts you mentioned like you said one's a franchise deal so it's just a one-year deal and the norwell one i bet jacksonville regrets it not that he's terrible but he's not a 13 million dollar guard he's not john Hanna. right and then you 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 look at the left guard, and this is just left guard, not right guards. There's some highly paid right guards as well. Um, left guard, you go down to the seventh or eighth highest paid guard, and it's half of that. Seven million for Billy yeah. Turner. Richie Cognito is making 6.35, and he's the eighth highest paid left guard in the league. And then you bounce that out to quarterback. So we just so Laramie Tunsil makes a lot of money, and he had some nice leverage this offseason, $22 million a year. Costanzo is making $16.5 million per year, still more than every guard in the league. Um, you go to quarterback contracts and just barely in the top 10 is Ryan Tannehill at $29.5 million per year. So there's what, um, 15. And wait till Dak and Mahomes and Watson sign. <laughs> right, you know? yeah. So we're talking 40 mil per year and there's at least 15, 20 plus million dollar a year quarterbacks right now in the league after Teddy Bridgewater got one. Uh, what, what, $21 million a year for three years for Teddy B. Uh, Phillip Rivers, Tom Brady. I mean, 
there's yeah, right. big money in the quarterback position, and it's just it's skewed even further. But back to the point of Tannehill, yeah, you look at the names that Tannehill's with in this group, and Tannehill's the ninth highest paid quarterback in the league right now. The guys above him are Dak on a franchise tag, 31 mm-hmm. mil, Matt Ryan, Carson Wentz, Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, Aaron Rodgers, Ben Roethlisberger, and Russell Wilson. And below him, there's Garoppolo and uh, Matthew Stafford, Drew Brees, Tom Brady. The, most of those names I'd rather have than Tannehill. Yeah, it's just it just depends when your contract comes up. You know, I mean, Kirk Cousins is the best example ever that franchise, franchise, hit the open market, become the highest paid quarterback in the league. No one thought Kirk Cousins was a top five quarterback. He's a good player. Having a solid starter has a lot of value. And I kind of wish it would have happened this last CBA. So now we probably have to wait another 10 years for a better proposition to come up. And this kind of reflects on running backs too, but I wonder if there could be a different way of structuring the cap. Like your quarterback, you know, the, I, I don't know enough about the NBA, but there was some Larry Bird role where you could give one guy on your team the max and it didn't <clears> count <throat> against the cap or something like that. Or, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, Larry Bird quarterbacks rights. have their own number or something. Yeah, the bird rights. So if you have the bird rights on a player, so basically if you drafted and developed a player, you could sign him and that money could take you over the cap, but it was allowing teams to pay their players what they were worth and you could still go over the cap to sign your own guy, not to go bring in free agents from another team. So that was an interesting wrinkle to the softer cap that the NBA had. And um, I've heard a lot of talk about people saying, okay, we, we should sign players to a percentage of the cap contract. So if the cap goes down next year, it you know it, everything stays kosher. Mm, yeah. And if the cap goes up a lot, then a player, if your quarterback, if you want your quarterback to make 20% of your salary cap, then that's what he'll make. And if the cap goes up, your quarterback will, his salary will continue to go up. And uh, I don't know if you know the league and the players and agents will like that and, every, and anybody would go for that, but it's an interesting idea. Yeah, it is, you know, and you could do it for every position. You get 1%, you get 0.5%, you get 20%, you know, and make it work that way, possibly. Um, I guess, I mean, someone smarter than me would have a better idea on that, but I I do think at some point we're going to find that the cap is flawed and it's too big of an advantage to have Mahomes, let alone a Dak or a Wilson that wasn't an early pick for that rookie contract when you can just spend so much outside the quarterback position, it's almost like an unfair advantage. You know, like you mentioned Roethlisberger, like, I mean, he's up in age and he's one of the highest paid quarterbacks as are Brady and that era guys. Is he worth being one of the top three or four highest ranked paid quarterbacks? Probably not. You know, Mahomes is worth more than him guys like that, but you've been in the league, you've earned it. You really didn't do anything to hurt yourself. How do you not keep getting raises? You know I mean? It, it's a little flawed is all I'm saying. It's definitely flawed. There's no perfect way to do it. And unfortunately for the players and for the league and for the fans, if this was ever to get, to get skewed further into the players uh, side of things, as far as the collective bargaining goes, then you would have to see like what we saw in baseball and the strike here and the players saying, we're not going to play until this gets fixed. And it hurts the league. It hurts everybody. And it hurts the fans. And, and Major League Baseball didn't recover for a few years until the, the crazy McGuire-Sosa home run race in the steroid era really brought baseball back from that 94 strike because a lot of fans bailed out from that. And so uh, it's, yeah, that's where the unions and the collective bargaining really things get tough because, and I just, and that's why the NFL has been behind because the players union isn't as strong as it is in some other sports and they haven't 
done that and they, they they've never had the ability or the the togetherness to fully strike which you know for fans you hope that stuff never happens but um that's mm-hmm. probably what it would take to to get rid of some of these things including the hard cap and i would imagine some of it's because they don't have as long a careers and they don't have guaranteed money which would help a lot too yeah but i also think part of it's because the league's so strong and i say this all the time i mean when, when i say the league is so strong the owners own the league you know the, the owners are just you know, you mentioned that the, the the union just isn't as strong as in other uh, sports. I wonder if it's the opposite. Just the owners are immensely strong. You know that they are uh, just a super powerhouse. And Mike Lombardi says this all the time. Don't tell me that football is in any danger or kids aren't playing it anymore. Anyone that's ever bought an NFL franchise has made obscene money. Right, yeah, and they might not make it just in ticket sales year to year, but the value or of that franchise year. is tens of millions, hundreds of millions of dollars. We're seeing franchises go for billions of dollars now. Uh, it's right. pretty if you want to see how the league's doing, go look at the franchise values. Right, exactly. You know what? Another thing with uh, the NFL, there's so many players, too, that have a vote on these things that don't make a ton of money. So they're not they're not yeah. squabbling over the millions and millions at the top. They just need a few hundred more thousand dollars to pay their rent you know that's so that that's another aspect of it so things get passed because there's enough players that don't make a lot of money that are not arguing for that big chunk yeah and not to mention i mean baseball has 162 games their rosters aren't as big Mm -hmm. basketball is what 82 games something like that their rosters are what 12 or 13 guys you know it's a lot more beer sales it's a lot more ticket sales a lot more you know so it's just you can see why there's a difference Speaking of quarterbacks here, let's go to Badak Brummy from Twitter who says, who wins the starting quarterback job in Chicago, Nick Foles or Mitch Trubisky? I still think all ties will go to Trubisky. Like that he'll almost have to lose the job to not be the opening day starter. Now that's not saying he's going to play 16. And I don't say many good things about Trubisky, but I will say I think that there was more injury last year than we want to give him credit for. And I think if he runs more in a Josh Allen-like manner, he becomes a lot more effective. And he didn't run a lot at all last year and took that card out of his hand, which I think was a lot due to injury. So I think he's at least earned the tiebreaker, you know. And the thing is, I'm just not a big Foles fan. I mean, if that was Cam Newton or Winston or a guy like that, I'd be like, Trubisky's got no chance to win it, you know. And So now... I think Trubisky is going to be the starter unless he falls right on his face. I totally agree. If you're, if you're making odds, you have to put Trubisky ahead just because the tie is going to go to Trubisky. I agree with you on that. I think though that Foles will start games for the bears. And if Trubisky wins the job yeah. out of the gate, that Foles is going to end up playing. Cause I, I've just seen Foles play better football and lead teams to into the playoffs, right. And through the playoffs, and he, he won a Super Bowl. Points, at least. Right. And so yeah. I just think that it will look better. Eventually, the offense will move better under Foles. And I had a lot of hopes still for Trubisky before last year. And I just haven't seen enough yet. And I'm, I'm kind of off the Trubisky wagon, as most people are. I held on a little bit longer than some folks because I did like him out of school. And I just, I just haven't seen that development. And I've seen more development from Nick Foles. He is a veteran quarterback that can move the offense and move your football team. So I expect Foles to to start game 16, maybe not game one. 
folks from Chicago probably aren't going to like hearing it, and I'm not predicting it, but this is the the time of eternal optimism. Everyone's going to be better, yada, yada. All your draft picks are going to hit. I don't think we have to – I don't think it would be great fiction to write a story where the Bears are 5-11 this year. <laughs> yeah. I, there's always going to be somebody. You know, the, the whole league is not going to be over 500. Yeah, it's hard. I mean – the Bears are good. The Bears have too much talent to be 5-11, and 11, though. That's the other thing, and that's why I think if they start that route, that's why Foles is going to come in, and maybe he'll be the savior, and maybe that'll really change things, and they'll be that team that has a really good second half and gets into the playoffs because their defense is too good. Uh, they have a lot of... I mean, they're they're too talented. They're they're not in a 5-11 and 11 roster, so uh, if, if they do go 5-11, then people are getting canned, including Trubisky next year. Right, and they didn't pick up his option... Like I, I'm not all doom and gloom on the on the Bears, but uh, I could see Justin Fields being their starter next year. Absolutely, there's going to be that team that yeah, right. loses a bunch of games and is drafting early in the draft, and uh, it could be the Bears. It absolutely could Leo be Mack new coaching her, staff, Alan new GM, and right. new quarterback. It's the way it goes yeah. in the NFL. Could happen. All right, we're out of time here, Matt. Good stuff. Thanks everybody for getting involved with this Twitter Friday episode. Uh, there are still some good questions out there. We'll try to filter in some of these questions next week, right, Matt? Yes, and um, also please go back if you didn't and listen to the Thursday show, special show from across the network. I'd like to get some Twitter feedback from you guys too and just hear your thoughts on that. Thank you. Absolutely. At Williamson NFL is where you can find Matt on Twitter, at BD Peacock, tag me as well. We will talk to you next week. Breakout players right here, Locked on NFL.